This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everybody, my name is Paul Wheelock and welcome to the latest podcast on the Blood Red channel. With Liverpool away in Dubai and without a game to preview until less than a week on Wednesday, I've caught up with someone we've had on before, and that's Ahmed Youssef, an Egyptian football expert and editor of the KingFoot.com website, who is close to the Mohamed Salah camp. When we last had Ahmed on in October, there were plenty of people outside of the red half of Merseyside questioning Salah after he had, by his incredibly high standards, a slow start to the season. But he has certainly answered his critics since, and his two goals against Crystal Palace on Saturday made him the outright top scorer in the Premier League, and also meant he has reached 50 Premier League goals faster than any other player. But after the match, a lot of the focus was on his alleged diving, and he's also had fans talking tonight with a rather cryptic tweet he has posted on Twitter. Some say it's to do with his rocky relationship relationship with the Egyptian FA, which we spoke about with Ahmed before, and which we will come into question again later this year after Egypt won the right to host the Africa Cup of Nations. Luckily for Liverpool, the tournament takes place in the summer and not January for the first time, but that will mean Mo playing a full year of football for the second year running. I talk about that with Ahmad, those diving claims, Mo's future ambitions, plus a lot more. Hope you enjoyed the interview, and we'll be back on Wednesday all being well with our latest podcast. Thanks for joining me. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, hi, Ahmad. Thank you very much for joining me on this podcast to talk about a man we've spoken about in the past, Mohamed Salah. You okay, mate? I am good, thanks. Yeah, cheers for having me on again. Yeah, as I say, we're talking about Mo, uh, and I was about to pick up the phone to you this evening. Uh, I noticed that he'd broken his two-week Twitter silence with a bit of a cryptic post that reads, 2019 resolution, time to get in touch for real. Have you got any idea what, what that could be about? Um, and it's a, yeah, a very cryptic tweet. Kind of really two things about that you can say. You can either be relating to his um, the Egyptian uh, FA, and they've probably not got in contact with him regarding some friendlies that are coming up and, and uh, they were the African Cup of Nations qualifier actually um, on the other hand it could be a very simple tweet to his friends you don't really know it's one of those ones where he really is uh, he has that ability to play with um, with the world with his tweets and I know certainly on our website people are, are flooding to the story to read about it and I know some fans are, are suggesting it could be as you touched on there maybe a kind of an knowledge branch I don't know to the Egyptian FA because whoever's listened to the podcast we've done together before last year it was a pretty strained relationship to say the least wasn't it with the the Egyptian Federation before Jordan and, and even after the World Cup yeah exactly I mean he's, he's always been um, quite you know, he hasn't had the best relationship with the Egyptian FA in the sense that they haven't provide a lot of things for him, security he's complained about, um, World Cup and the image rights issues with the sponsor. And so, yeah, there are a lot of issues and they have been quite quiet as a, recently. So it's quite interesting now that he, um, he has made this tweet, whether it is relating to it. And if it is, it's you know, quite an quite a, a interesting thing because um, it could spark another uh, another conversation again that we like we had last time where Salah posted on Facebook and um, explained the situation. And if it is, it does seem quite... Um, interesting how long it's taken to resolve all these issues and um, yeah, you wonder how far this will go really Yeah it shows he cares though doesn't he I know Liverpool fans are primarily concerned with Liverpool but Mo's uh, kind of allegiance to his country is, is every bit as big isn't it he really does care and you can see that by the way he, he goes onto social media and, and does these kind of things Yeah there's no denying that he um, he loves Egypt you know, as, as a country and a nation and he, um, he dedicated the African player of the year or to Egypt. So, Egyptian fans, I mean, he, he definitely has that love for the Egyptian. And do you think that really... It is a shame that the relationship is strained with the FA, yeah. 
Yeah, I know you touched on it then. It gone quiet. By your understanding, has it improved any anyway? You know, is it? Sh- I know it was pretty low again after the World Cup. It was pretty low before it and during. You know, is the shown have the Egyptian FA shown any kind of you know? I don't know what the word is basically trying to appease Mo a bit. You know about in things that they can improve. I think yeah. I mean, it's quite difficult. I think they made some improvements. Um, he made some requests for the last game against Tunisia, and in terms, of, you know, it all goes down to his safety really. And they've they made some improvements, but obviously there's something else in the background that's still kind of lingering, and that could be still the image rights um, issue. But I think the reason probably it's why it's uh, starting to kick up again now is because there is a at the African Cup of Nations uh, qualifier in uh, in in March, and that's probably why he's going to um, probably why he started talking about it again. Of course, yeah. As I say, it's a massive year for Liverpool, which we'll come to. But as you as you rightly say, there it's a massive year for Egypt uh, because following the recent news that they will be hosting this summer's Africa Cup of Nations, how big a deal is that for the country? Yeah, it's, it's a huge deal. Egypt is football mad. Everything in Egypt, from the economy to uh, you know, look at the, the, the fans, the mood of the, of the country is all run on football. And when Egypt do well, everyone in Egypt is just happy and buzzing. And um, over the years, the African Cup of Nations has brought huge jubilation to Egypt. Egypt won it from 2006 to 2010 three times in a row, um, having hosted it last in 2006. So Egyptian fans are very excited. The circumstances of, of this year's hosting were uh, quite uh, you know, erratic in the last minute, but they are still excited. Yeah, so anyone who's not followed the story, how has it got to this point that probably just six months before the start of the tournament it has been switched to Egypt? Yeah, as you mentioned there, originally it wasn't actually um, meant to be hosted by Egypt. Cameroon uh, had the rights to host the tournament and uh, due to concerns of the safety and organisation of the tournament back in November, um, Confederation of African Football uh, stripped Cameroon of the rights to host the tournament and uh, it offered countries the opportunity to bid um, for the right and Egypt and South Africa went head-to-head with Egypt winning 16-1 to um, last month, uh, earlier this month. So yeah, Egypt now have had the rights. It's a uh, it's a big step for Egypt because um, last time hosted, like I said, is 2006, so quite a while, and a lot, of, a lot has changed in Egypt. Uh, but I think Egypt are now ready to start building and, and showing that, showing to Africa and the world that they are able to host a, a big tournament. One of the reasons it was such a, um, a landslide victory for Egypt was because they, the government made a lot of uh, commitments in terms of security, IT, and the, in terms of get, you know people getting passports and visas. Egypt have said it would be very easy for people to do that. That's good to hear. And it, it is the first time the, the tournament's in the summer. It's, I think it's the first time it's been expanded from 16 to 24 years, uh, uh, 24 teams, I should say. Uh, it, it's a fantastic tournament to anyone who watches it. But is it trying to follow the model of you know the other international, major international tournaments around the world by placing it in the summer and having it expanded? Yeah, exactly. I think uh, expanding it to 24 teams, I, I don't really think that's a good idea when you've got already uh, quite a lot of small African teams in there that, that do get you know run over against the, the bigger nations during the tournament. Having said that, it's a great opportunity for those smaller teams to play at, at the top African level. Um, and yeah, again, the, the move to the summer, unfortunately, there's a lot of pressure from a lot of the European countries and UEFA to move the tournament to the summer. You know, look at Liverpool for example. If they if this tournament was in, was was now in the winter, um, you would have lost you'd argue two of the best players at the, at the club. So yeah. you have to kind of uh, you know, there's a lot of pressure. And I think you know, but if you look at you know, the, the, the current team that Egypt have, Salah is still that star player, and he is expected to win it with Egypt. There is that expectation that it's on home soil. 
Um, and Egypt have hosted the African Cup of Nations four times before. They've won it three times and they came third in, in one of those competitions. So they are expected to to get to that final and anything other than a win really would be disappointing considering uh, Egypt came second uh, last time round in Cameroon. Yeah, you're absolutely spot on there because, say for instance, it was in its usual January-February slot, uh, Salah and Mane would both be out and that would have a massive effect, I imagine, on Liverpool's title bid. But as it is, they're here and I suppose Liverpool fans will worry about the summer and the summer and I don't think anyone would be too fussed if the league title's in the bag by then. But as you rightly said there, it's another complete year of football for for Mo and obviously for Sadio Mane as well uh, and it, it, we've seen after the World Cup that it did take it out of Mo particularly didn't it both physically and mentally you know it is going to be a, a tough year maybe Liverpool only feel the effects of this later down the line Salah would have had about a month's break um, in, in two seasons um, going into this tournament so he will be extremely you know, uh, uh, you know tired and uh, it could be a bit some fatigue but at the end of the day, you know, he's a professional footballer. He really should be able to cope with it. But you looked at the start of this season; um, he had a very slow start to the season, and that definitely was related to you know the fitness, but also the, um, the Sergio Ramos incident, which played a, a big part on, on his summer. And, and and he was quite down at the start of the year; he wasn't really smiling. But it's now great to see how his mood has completely turned. He's, he's he's the player that we always knew that he was at last season. Yeah, because I remember we actually spoke in October where there was a, a lot of questions about his, his form and, and his mindset. And as you said there, his, his happiness. But my word, he's, uh, he's answered them uh, doubts emphatically, hasn't he, since then? Yeah, exactly. He, um, he's, he had a slow start to the season. He's now coming back a lot stronger, 16 goals already. And he never, you're never going to really uh, score the same amount of goals as, as that last season. Last season's a special season, scored 44 goals, 32 in the Premier League. And but those are, those are, you know, Unbelievable records, and he is, it's difficult in itself to get anywhere near those. And, but he is on track to, to, to get near those numbers again. So um, it's very difficult for players to do that. If you look at the top players in the Premier League at the moment, you know you've got Harry Kane, Eden Hazard, and, and De Bruyne. The reason they've showed it at their best is because they can consistently do it. And I think Salah now is really starting to show that he can consistently compete at that top level. And 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 the awards that he's he's won last season, and and, and how well he's done. And, the Ballon d'Or and the, and the FIFA Player of the Year awards show that he has managed to consistently play well in, in 2018. I mean, if you look at the awards, he, you know, he was the first player to uh, to win the, the Player of the, of the Month award in the Premier League three times, and winning the PFA Player of the Year, or the Fan of the Year. He, he had a, an, an amazing year, and I just hope that continues this year. Really, were you surprised he was only six? I say only, but sixth in the Ballon d'Or uh, running in the end. Yeah, well, obviously surprising. You know, he came third in the uh, FIFA Best Player of the Year. So um, I think there's a disappointment in the number. But then if you look at the players who came up ahead of him, you have to you know, give them credit as well. You know, you've got Mbappe and, and Messi and Ronaldo and Modric. So you, you have to kind of give it to them as well. Um, for from an Egyptian perspective, coming sixth, having a, an Egyptian man who's sixth in the world. Is, is something that we, we we dreamed of, you know, five six years ago. So we'll we'll take whatever. Really. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. From what you know of him, and obviously you know some of the people around him, has he really got that? that drive to be mentioned in the, the same breath of those players from you were talking about there, year in and year out, your Ronaldo, your Messi's. Uh, is that what he really wants? No, not only to be recognised what he's done in the Premier League, but on that world stage? 
Yeah, hundred percent. It doesn't really kind of. You can see from from the outside as well that he is so determined and, and driven um, to succeed. He's a very humble person. He, he doesn't have any kind of. He, he has started to do things outside of football. If you look recently at the GQ magazine and, and and a few things here and there, but his focus will always be on football. He's not one of those players, you know, to go and start thinking about doing other stuff in the media and the limelight and. and what look at his football career, you know, drop. He, he definitely wouldn't do that. Um, I think he, you know, he's still he's still 26, so he's probably a couple of years away from his peak. And uh, he, he, you know, he he will be up in that in that bracket at the moment as one of the top players in the world. But hopefully, in the future, if he kind of consistently does does well, you can you know say that he is up there with them. Yeah, two goals at the weekend against Crystal Palace. Uh, I think it ensured he became the fastest player ever to reach 50 goals in the Premier League. 48 for Liverpool, two for Chelsea. But they, they were a bit overshadowed by these kind of accusations that he dived. Do you, do you buy into that much? Or do you think he does go down too easily? Or do you think he's been given a bit of a raw deal at the moment? I mean, I, you know, I might be biased to say it, but I think the whole you know, diving saga is it's all a bit harsh, really. And if you, you watch things on, in slow motion and if you watch it again... You, you have it's a different perspective. There's nothing like in real life going at, at speed and at speed that he goes at. Um, it's not even just necessarily about kind of. It's, it's about maybe avoiding challenges and, and and if that can be seen as a, that probably is seen as a dive. But you know, if he was to go into the challenge, he could get injured. There's all, there's a lot of things around it. I, I don't really like the whole you know, the linking him to diving so much because I, I I don't really see that the man's you know straight out dives. I think that. It's, you know, they they are they might be considered as slightly um, light, but they are definitely he is getting consistently fouled and yeah. And as you mentioned, two crucial you know two crucial goals. But if you look at um, a couple of games recently, he's been scoring the first goals mm-hmm. in in big games and um, you know Huddersfield Palace, Bournemouth, and Newcastle. You know, these recent games, he's been he's been really influential, scoring the first goal to change the game really. Yeah, I suppose it's that classic build them up, knock them down kind of mentality, isn't it? Because I'm sure there'll be a lot of people out there who don't want Liverpool to win the league, and it's a it's a nice way kind of getting at the star playing. I think you made a really good point there, mate. He does get a lot of kicks. Uh, I remember like the Bournemouth game uh, before Christmas, where I think he was kicked a few times in the lead up to him scoring. You know, does he probably get enough credit for how brave he is, how strong he is, and probably how good physical shape he's in as well? That he he keeps on getting these kicks, but as we were saying earlier, he's, he's hardly ever injured. Exactly. I mean. He, he is probably up in you know in the top players in the league who does get fouled because he is so fast, he's so you know small and elusive. He turns really quickly, and players have to resort to to fouling him to to stop him. And yeah, and obviously a lot of a lot of um, criticism has come around in recent, but he does get you know knocked around a lot. And I think in situations like this, referees need to start protecting you. Um, Zaha and, and, and uh, who's you know, been complaining about it, and so Salah is up there with you know those players. Who do constantly get you know there's little there's little nicks that that, um, that seem to get away with, you know the players seem to get away with them but they do add up and, and luckily he's not had a kind of serious uh, serious injury um, and you, know, you do wonder you know, if he does get an injury how that that would impact Liverpool really definitely let's uh, let's fingers crossed that doesn't happen but I suppose one day he, he will get injured you know it's, it's, it's by nature of the football game it's uh, he probably need a breather maybe at the start of next season as you were saying earlier about the Africa Cup of Nations but I know uh, hopefully I'm not giving too much away but you're a Tottenham fan and I think we've seen it with your club with Harry Kane once you've got a striker like Kane or Salah who play all the time 
don't really get injured that much. You know, Kane is at the moment, he's got a few uh, niggles, but they want to play all the time, they want to score all the time. How difficult is it from being a, like a Tottenham fan's perspective to get quite a quality backup? Because I know in the summer, Liverpool are probably going to have to do that. Origi will go, Sturridge will go, but how difficult it is, you know, saying to someone, can you come and be number two to, to Mo Salah? Yeah, exactly. I mean, as I said, uh, you know, if you look at you know Tottenham's perspective, you know, I'm the only player we could have, the only striker that would be willing to come and sit behind Kane is is Llorente. And when you do miss a big player, like, you know, the best player at the club, there has to be um, players have to be versatile. And, and you look with with Spurs, we've managed to get Deli Ali to kind of play quite forward. And obviously now he's injured, but with with Liverpool, you'd have, you have to rely on Firmino and and. Uh, and, and Mane and Shakiri to help out, and yeah, you're right. It is, it is difficult because Liverpool will struggle to attract now strikers or any attackers who kind of come into this team and they and they look around and see, well, we're not really going to find a, a place to, 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 to. We're not going to get any you know, starting um, places. We're not even going to get any game time, um, and that's why I've seen at Spurs. You, you play, we're struggling to get you know, good good players because they know they won't start. Um, they won't start ahead of uh, Kane. So yeah. You're right there. Two goals on Saturday, as I say. Took him to the top of the scoring charts in the Premier League. Obviously, Kane's out injured for a while now. Do you think uh, it's his golden boot to, to win again this season? Yeah, I mean, his, uh, his, he started to kick up again now and he's scoring loads of goals. He's always had a slow start to the season. Even if you look at um, a lot in his first season, um, he had a very slow start. And there was a stat early in uh, October, November where, where he was getting criticised for not scoring. And I, I, I remember I, tell, I told you last time that you know, he's only one goal behind yeah, in November remember. as he was yeah. last year, so he always has a stronger second half of the season. Um, you know, it's, it's probably because he's you know relatively he's, he's probably one of the fitter players out there. Um, his speed, he can utilise that. Um, so yeah, I mean, he will. He definitely will. You know, keep scoring. I, I, I'm pretty confident that he will finish uh, as the top goal scorer with the golden boot. And, and even for this season, his, his style of play. You know, Klopp's kind of moved him more central as a number nine, and as a as opposed to the, the wider player, so it's giving him opportunities to score goals. He's not necessarily scoring the same wonder goals that we saw last you know last season, the ones against City and Spurs and Everton. But he is getting goals, and at the end of the day, that's that's what his, his job is really. Yeah, he's doing his job certainly. Liverpool are too. Do you think Liverpool for the title or oh, City still? Do you think the team are going to win it, or even your boys Tottenham? How, how do you see the, the title race going? Yeah, I mean, let's let's not put Tottenham in there because uh, <laughs> we are we are all truly out. But I, I don't think we really were. And if you look at the squads uh, from you know, Liverpool squad and Man City squad, they, they, they are you know top top squads. And um, it, you know, there's only four points in it at the moment, which doesn't seem like it's too much. But I think I think Liverpool edge it. They've got you know they've got a, a better starting eleven, and, and you can see every week. You know, you see Salah, and you look well. He's bound to score every week. You know, you've got Firmino and and Mane helping him. And, and sometimes with City, they've they've, they've been stopped. Uh, I think City's um, the style of play is too predictable. They do they they kind of play the same plan every single time. They try and pass it into the net. Whereas you know, Liverpool's counter attacking play is just is so dangerous. And even I've you know having played against Spurs, um, having seen you know Liverpool and Man City against Spurs this season, you know Liverpool definitely looked like a far stronger side. So. You know, my, my best would be on, on Liverpool for sure. 
and I hope so anyway. So, uh, so Salah wins his uh, lifts that Premier League title. Probably leads me to my final question: that if you know he, he's obviously got the adulation here, you know the absolute love and support of a, you know certainly the red half of Merseyside, every Liverpool fan around the world. And if he can add trophies to the collection, you know with Liverpool, do you see him staying at the club for the long haul? You know, do you think this will be a, a long stay at Anfield, or do you think maybe in the future he might be tempted by a Real Madrid or a Barcelona? Yeah, I mean it's very interesting. I think what he's got at Liverpool is amazing. He's got a great manager, a great team. Uh, he's doing so well in the Premier League, which arguably is the best league in, in the world. And, and from a footballing point of view, I, I don't think he would want to leave or, or has a desire to leave. But unfortunately, nowadays you look at money and how these clubs offer ridiculous amounts of money, and, and he could be swayed. I mean, I don't think he'd leave you know this summer at all, or, or you know he doesn't have that desire to. And I, I don't think he wants to. But as I said. You never know with 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 you know, if Real Madrid come knocking with a huge huge contract offer and even Liverpool as well if they offer Liverpool two hundred million pounds or whatever you know, it's going to be you know, difficult to keep him because just purely because the, the amount of money and how much he's worth but from his perspective I think he's definitely happy and he definitely will be staying. That's good to hear, mate. Thank you very much, Ahmed, for for speaking to us this evening. No doubt we'll catch you up again uh, later this year. Cheers. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.